if you want to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, if you are using the Bible that you grabbed on the way in, one of the green Bibles, it's page 912, page 912, and if you need a Bible, people have been asking me, you can always take one, you don't have to ask, just help yourself, you need it for yourself or for a friend or a family member, just take it, that's our gift to you, okay? <clears throat> or if you're visiting and you need one, take it, okay? So, uh, before I get into this, I just want to say something about Sarah also. As you know, Sarah has struggled with CIDP. A couple years ago, she couldn't walk. Uh, about a year ago, she was wearing the braces. This season, she played uh, without braces and played the whole game, only sat a couple minutes the whole season. It's crazy. She went to see the doctor this week in New York City, one of the top guys in the country, and uh, he was just shocked at how she was doing. He's going to start weaning her off the medicine and just uh, thrilled at how she's doing. And he also tested her because um, gave her a blood test and said, you have uh, antibodies for COVID. And it uh, uh, turns out that she, uh, getting the, the antibody donations treatment, the immunoglobin, I think it's called, something like that. I'm not a doctor. But uh, anyway, someone who had had COVID and gotten past COVID, they donated their blood, and she was received the antibodies, and now she's you know, immune. Uh, 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 yeah, so. <clears throat> and he, this doctor is actually working on a cure with this very treatment for uh instead of the vaccines you know using this to you know give people the immunities and he's writing a book and he's going to put her in the book and uh he, this is he's been saying they've been using this treatment for not just CIDP but for cancer and they're going to be using it for all kinds of things so this uh it, well, anyway, connect the dots. If you want to know more about this whole background story, I can't say too much because you know who will do you know what with us. So I don't, I already got, well, you know, anyway, we're not going to say any more. But yeah, Home Fellowship, going to share it in detail tonight. And also, uh, if you want to ask Kim or myself or Sarah, we can tell you the whole story. There's a lot more to it. You can connect the dots today because the title is Biblical Civil Disobedience. Biblical Civil Disobedience, Acts 5, 27 to 39. Now, last week we saw the apostles were persecuted and put in prison. And then we saw prison break number one. We're going to count them. There's several prison breaks throughout the book of Acts. Prison break number one. And we talked about how we, the, the title was Persecution Proof. Persecution Proof. I want to encourage you to watch that or listen to it if you haven't because that's Part one, this is part two, and next week will be part three, a trilogy from Acts chapter five on what we really need to hear. But it was proof, we talked about first, the part, first proof of this persecution, persecution proof, was that it was proof that we can live free no matter what we're facing, no matter what trial we're going through. Even if we're in prison, we can live free no matter what through the Holy Spirit's power. That was one part of the proof. And it's also how it's vital that we are Persecution proof in the way that we're prepared, prepared for the coming persecution. It's already worldwide. It's just beginning in the United States today, USA Today. We're going to see increasing intensity, just as we're going to see in the book of Acts. We're going to see increasing intensity in persecution. We're going to see that in the United States. Mark my words. Don't take a genius. You don't have to be a prophet to figure this out. It's going to keep increasing. And then we talked about how in Matthew 24... Mark 13, Daniel, Revelation. I've been doing this whole series online, 82 sermons, get started on that, uh, get finished with that. But I, but I hope you're working your way through that because it's to prepare us 
for what is definitely coming. We know it because of the book of Daniel and Revelation, Matthew 24, Mark 13. It, it, it tells us, I hope we are all preparing for increasing persecution, increasing intensity. And, and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to make us persecution proof. He's the one who's got to do it. And I talk about how to do that, but it's really the Holy Spirit has to make us persecution proof. And we're going to see today that we also must prepare for biblical civil disobedience. Biblical civil disobedience. There will be increasing pressure to conform to the world. Right? We're already seeing it, aren't we? To conform to the Antichrist and the spirit of the Antichrist that is already at work in this world. He's already at work. The ultimate Antichrist is coming, but, but already the spirit of the Antichrist is working to conform us to the world. We're going to see the worldview that it's trying to get us to accept an Antichrist worldview and see everything through the world's view instead of through God's word and taking everything captive to God's word. And when that happens, we're brainwashed by the world. We're brainwashed and we conform to the world and being, instead of being transformed by the renewing of our minds, we are brainwashed and, and conformed to the world. And, and we, 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 we already see that happening. We see the worldview. We see the pressure from, the, from the, the government as it becomes increasingly antichrist. It's going to want us to conform. There's going to be a worldwide government. Uh, we see that in Revelation, worldwide government. There's going to be a worldwide religion that's going to, that's going to try to for, force everybody into the same view is going to be completely antichrist and it's going to be, be try to force everybody to think the same way and it's going to finally result in everybody taking everybody being required to take the mark of the beast the mark of the beast it's all preparing us for that time and, and it's very important there that we we must learn to resist now in the small things what we're facing now is small Compared to what we're going to face. We have to learn to resist now. I'm talking about biblical civil disobedience. We resist now in the small battles and the way that we think and the worldview. So that when the real test comes, we'll be able to stand our ground. To stand our ground. Let's pray. Father, we just pray that you would open our ears and open our hearts. And prepare us for persecution. Prepare us for biblical civil disobedience. I pray that you would... Your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and minds. Open eyes, open ears. Set each person who hears us free through Jesus Christ. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's read the passage. We already saw what happened last week. The apostles were in prison and then they had the prison break. And we'll pick it up with verse 27. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than man. Going to camp out on that one today. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give you give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. 
But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed them, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All his followers were dispersed, and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He, too, was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But it is, but if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. We'll stop there. First of all, the apostles we see have a very unlikely defender, Gamaliel, who was not a Christian, as far as we know, never became a Christian, but he ends up defending them, a very unlikely defender. And God often uses these very people in our lives, doesn't he? I remember when we first started the church, I remember we had these, these radical homosexual activists that were attacking and trying to block the church and they tried to came in, come into the church services. We had police there for three months, you know, keeping order. And I remember that and it was crazy, crazy time. But then we got involved. The turning point is we got involved with the, with the AIDS walk and the AIDS house in New Hope, which not many people in New Hope were helping with. Uh, but we got involved and, and it was, it was just, it was a blessing to be able to minister to these folks and many of them became Christians and were baptized and, uh, and we did funerals for many of them. Uh, but, but in the midst of that, there was this whole group that was part of the, 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 the organizers of the AIDS walk saw what we were doing and they were like, wow, we really, we're really impressed with your church. We didn't know Christians cared. Shame on us, right? We didn't know Christians cared. And so they would, they were, I would kept hearing the stories coming out of the gay bars. They would be in the gay bars and there would be this battle going on, you know, people attacking us and they had all these posters up, you know, come out, get the church and all this stuff. And these guys were defending us. And, and what I heard from different sources was they would say things like, leave that church alone. These are real Christians. The doors were opened. I was in some places that very few Christians have ever been in. There were some backslidden ones I met in there. That very few have ever been welcomed into. Very few have ever gone into. And many of these places are now closed. And many of these people that defended us are dead. Many of them are dead. But I will never forget them. And I'll never forget how God used them to defend us when we needed defense, when we were being attacked. And in Acts, we see Gamaliel defending the apostles, and he makes a great point. He said, if this is from God, you can't stop it. And what was he acting as? A prophet unaware. Without realizing it, he made a prophetic statement. And they never did stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
They never did stop the Holy Spirit from from working. The gospel of Jesus Christ just keeps winning from the book of Acts to this day. Two thousand years later, the nothing. No one. Has been able to stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. And remember that no matter what is going on in our world, no matter what is going on in our country. Jesus is still going to win. Doesn't matter which political party is in office. Doesn't matter who the president is. Doesn't matter what the media is saying. Doesn't matter. None of that matters. Jesus will win. If you've finished my Revelation series, you know the end of the book. We've read the end of the book. Jesus wins. And we win. It's guaranteed. Guaranteed. And what I really want to focus on today is Acts 5.29. And I want to encourage you to memorize it. We must obey God rather than men. It's easy. You guys say it with me. We must obey God rather than men. Just memorize. This is biblical civil disobedience. Biblical civil disobedience. This is This is actually civil disobedience number two in the book of Acts. Remember in Acts 4, we saw the first time. They said, we can't help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Judge for yourselves whether it's right to obey you rather than God. So we already saw it number one. But we're going to see that just as persecution is increasing in the book of Acts, we're going to see it keep increasing. We're going to see that civil disobedience also increases. Biblical civil disobedience also increases in the book of Acts. But understand something. Their civil disobedience was biblical. And ours must be too. Civil dis- biblical civil di- disobedience, say that ten times fast, it has to be biblical. It can't be personal. It can't be a preference. It can't be political. It's not what this is teaching. It's teaching biblical civil disobedience. It has to be based on God's word and something that goes against God's word. That's the key for Christians. Is it has to be biblical. In fact, here's a here's a verse that shows that Romans thirteen one. Everyone must subject themselves to the governing authorities, for there is no authority that exists except that which is established by God. Oh, we'll just stop with that one. There's another part to that. Uh, so every, it says we, everyone must obey the governing authorities. Remember this. When Paul wrote this, who was in charge? Nero. <laughs> Nero. Yeah, beyond that, right? Christians as human candles, Nero. Burning Rome, Nero. All right. He, we are commanded to obey the government, even if we don't like the government, even if we don't like their agenda. We may not like the taxes. We may not like gun control. We may not like the election results. Do you think Nero never manipulated an election? <laughs> think that? We may not like that. But we must obey the governing authorities unless they go against God's word, unless they go against God's law. And and if if uh, I want to see how I want to say this, I was going to be careful like this. Um, 
Well, I'll hit it later. Um, unless they obey, unless they disobey God's law and go against God's word, if obeying man's law means disobeying God's law, then we must practice biblical civil disobedience. Acts five twenty nine. We must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. But our but our biblical our disobedience must be biblical, it must be based on biblical issues. Doesn't mean that we can't have preferences in other areas like taxes and, and some of the other things they mention. That doesn't mean we can't have personal preferences, but the church can't make that the focus. That can't be, you can do personally something, but you can't make it the focus of the church or your Christian faith. You can't make taxes. That doesn't, <laughs> there's not in the Bible. It says pay your taxes in the Bible. All right? It, it, we may not like it, and personally we could do something, but it can't be part of our Christian faith that we make it that. And we can't make it part of the church. But if something is explicitly in God's word, then we have to obey God's word and disobey man's law. That's the key. We must obey God rather than men. But when we do disobey, our biblical civil disobedience must be done in a biblical way. First of all, it has to be biblical. And second of all, it has to be done in a biblical way. That means no violence. That means no rioting. Never once in the book of Acts, as we study the rest of the, the, the book of Acts, chapter tw- all the way up to chapter 28, you won't see one violent act by the Christians defending themselves. Not one. Not one Christian riot. Not one. We won't see that. In church history, the Roman Empire brutally persecuted the Christian church for 300 years. And yet there's not one historical account of there being a, a uprising against the Roman Empire by Christians. Not one militant uprising, not, not even one. No riots, not even one. You know why? Because they were following the Holy Spirit's leading and living by the Holy Spirit's power. And the Holy Spirit, I've said this before, his leading doesn't involve violence. Because violence makes a mess out of the message. Remember that. Violence makes a mess out of the message. Writing makes a mess out of the message. Resorting to the flesh makes a mess out of the message. Violence is not an option for Christians with our biblical civil disobedience. I'm talking about biblical civil disobedience. Think of Martin Luther King Jr. versus the Black Lives Matter movement. Look at the different results. Martin Luther King Jr., Practice biblical civil disobedience. No violence. And look at the result. He brought racial healing. He won over people that you never thought were possible to win over. And, and he, he, his movement resulted in real and lasting change. Real and lasting change. But the Black Lives Matter movement has spawned division. And damaged racial relations. There's been so much violence. And they've supported the killing of black babies. Really? They're pro-abortion. They, and, they, and, they've, and they've tried to destroy the, the, the black family. They don't want any black fathers over any families. Really? Really? 
I told you they were counterfeit. I told you they were a fraud. But thank God there's a new movement rising up. It's every black life matters. I shot it out on the email. That is an awesome organization. They, uh, we're going to be partnering with them. Every black life matters. And it's, they're doing it biblically. And, and, and they're, they're bringing the races together. And they're bringing racial reconciliation and healing. And uh, that's, what, that's who we're joining hands with. But said from the start, if a group rises up that says they're all black lives matter, I'm with them. And this group I'm with. And, and I'm, our church is going to be with them. Thank God for that. But we, we have to learn from Martin Luther King Jr. The violence doesn't work. Our civil disobedience must be biblical and it must be done in a biblical way. And there's one last thing. It has to be biblical. It has to be done in a biblical way. And we must be willing to suffer the consequences. Suffer the consequences for obeying God rather than men. Wait till you see what happens next week to the apostles, the rest of the story. And not just in, in Acts chapter 5, but the rest of the book of Acts. Wait till you, we see what happens to the Christians. We already know what happened to the apostles. Ultimately, 11 out of 12 were martyred, were killed. It would have been 12 out of 12. But John went and cook. Remember? They tried boiling him in oil and he didn't die. So they said, okay, we'll stick him out on an island of Patmos. Where he wrote the book of Revelation. That's, they took it and they gloried in it for Jesus' name. And that's what we must do too. And that's going to be next week. That's going to be part three. You didn't like last week or this week? You're not going to like next week either. But it's, it's, but it's, but what, just don't miss next week. Are we prepared for biblical civil disobedience? Is our civil disobedience biblical or is it personal? Is it preference? Is it political? We have to test it. We are not commanded in God's word to fight taxes. I talked about that. Or the gun control or the election laws. We're not called to do that. We can do that as individuals. That's okay to do as individuals, but not as a church. We must focus on biblical civil disobedience. Biblical. And there's a lot we can focus on. We've got plenty to do. Think of abortion alone. You talk about a biblical issue? Abortion alone. Proverbs 24, 11 and 12 says this. Proverbs 24, 11 and 12, where it says, Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. But if you say, we know nothing about this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay each person according to what he has done or not done? What If the church of Jesus Christ followed this, did this, rose up in biblical civil disobedience, we could give abortion a death blow overnight. Overnight, what are we doing? Praying, I hope. Fighting the battles every way we can. Showing up to the prayer events and praying. You know, when you pray outside of a, a Planned Parenthood, the, the owners that have become Christians come out and said, whenever somebody's out praying, we have a horrible day. Girls don't come in. They leave crying. We lose business. Babies don't die. Just by prayer. Just by prayer. 
crisis pregnancy centers. There's so many ways. Voting pro-life, at least, I hope, hope at least that. It, it has to be biblical, our civil disobedience. Something like abortion. Is ours biblical and are we practicing it in a biblical way? Are we practicing it in a biblical way? Not in the flesh. It's tempting to go in the flesh, isn't it? It's tempting to get mad and respond in kind when we're being bullied and, and when we see the, atta- the tactics and the attacks that come. Isn't it tempting when you see what's happening to Christians all over the place? Doesn't it, your first impulse is mad, you know? But we can't, we can't go there. We must imitate Jesus Christ. First Peter 2.23 says, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Oh, wait, I missed part of that. I'm trying to go by memory here. I'm going to have to read it. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. That's how Jesus handled it. He didn't retaliate. He didn't make threats. He could have called down angels and wiped them all out. He didn't. He entrusted himself to God. And that has to be our response to these attacks. We must keep our cool and we have to have the right attitude. If we want to change hearts and minds, we have to have the right attitude attitude and and keep the right attitude we learned that at the beginning of this church 20 years ago getting all these attacks and everybody kept a christ-like attitude and that's what won people over that's what won the community over they may not agree with what we believe but that's what won the community over and that's why we gained their respect like i said before somebody approached me said how do you control your people the other side's crazy, but your side is is not responding at all how do you keep them under control I said, it's a cult. <laughs> I said, it's, that's the Holy Spirit doing it. They didn't get it, but that's why I said, it's the Holy Spirit who does it. I'm not doing it. It's the Holy Spirit. We, it, I, I see two mistakes that the church makes in these, these spiritual battles in the United States today. One is that we fight in the flesh. We come back with anger and we're overly judgmental and there's no grace coming through. You, you see that a lot. The other side is caving in. <laughs> you see that even more. Caving in. Let's use homosexuality as an example because it's the, it's the main lightning rod in the USA right now. That and abortion, two lightning rods. I'll use that one. There's tremendous pressure to conform to the homosexual agenda, which is not going to ever stop. <laughs> Look where it's gone, right? There's a tremendous pressure, but we must never compromise. We can never give our, uh, uh, we can never give condone. We can never give approval to the homosexual sin. And we can't wear a pride pin if someone asks us to wear the pride pin or, or put a little flag or put it on our computer. People, are getting, people tell me they're getting pressured to put the little pride things on their computer screen. We, we can't do that. We can't walk in the parade. I remember there's a, a guy when we were going through all this in New Hope fighting the battles and, and a guy was a, came in and he opened the store and, and, and he was a Christian, but he, but he, but he was telling me, but you know, I was getting a lot of pressure, so I walked in the gay pride parade. I'm like, 
please don't tell anybody you're a Christian. Please, please. You know, we're, we're like fighting for blood over here, the people's salvation. And you're walking as a Christian, walking in the parade, con, 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 you know, behind that. Are you kidding me? He didn't last long in New Hope. We can't do that. It's not because we don't care about homosexuals. It's because we do care. It's because we do love them and we have to speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 says, speak, instead speaking the truth in love. We, we have to speak the truth and speak it in love. Two, once again, mistakes. One group of Christians doesn't speak the truth. They're just going to love everybody. And the other side doesn't show any love, just speaks the truth. The Bible says speak the truth in love. We can't stop speaking the truth, but it better be coming from a loving attitude and, and caring about people. And, and we, we speak the truth of 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. And this is, you, how many times have we done this verse? You know, these verses, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Don't be deceived. <clears throat> Neither the sexually immoral. That's everybody. Nor idolaters, everybody, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor the thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. If this is your identity, any of these, and this is everybody, right? You're not going to heaven. Not going to heaven, that's your identity. But that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. No matter what our struggle. We, we all were on that list, weren't we? We could, add, I, we could all add a lot to that list, couldn't we? We could double that list easily, just our little church here. But, but yet, the hope. And what we speak, the truth and love, is the hope that no matter what we are, it can be what we were through Jesus Christ, putting our faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. We can be just as if I never sinned, justified. That is the hope that we can't stop speaking that because we know they're going to hell just like we were going to hell. They have no connection. They might say, well, my God doesn't care what I do. That's a lie. Their God is Satan. Mimicking God. That's what the Bible teaches. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. It's a lie. But we care. And we could apply this to not just homosexuality. Every sin on that list. It applies, Right? We have to speak the truth in love. And we have to give people the hope that that's what we, we, I was at too. That's what we were. But because of Jesus, it's what we were. And it can be what they are. What they were. Is our civil disobedience biblical? Are we doing it in the biblical way? And are we willing to suffer the consequences of that? We must obey God. Help me here. We must obey God rather than men. Are we willing to lose that promotion because we won't put the sticker on our shirt? Or even our job because we won't put something on our email ending? Are we, are we willing to get a lesser grade in school because we speak up? Because you know you're, you're, 
fellow students are struggling with these things and someone's got to tell the truth when the teacher is, is, is giving their side of it, you know, the world side of it. Are we willing to get a lesser grade or not to get into a college of our first choice because of, of what we believe? Are we willing to lose our possessions or be attacked or persecuted? It's coming. It's starting already. It's coming. Are we, are we willing, as pastors, I, I say to my pastor friends all the time, are we willing to lose popularity and people? Are we willing to lose popularity and people? And you know what? Nine out of ten evangelical pastors are not. George Barna. Nine out of ten don't preach the full word of God because they don't want to lose money or people. Nine out of ten. It's a, it's a fact. Crazy. You want to know why this country's in the mess it's in? It's because the pastors. The unfaithful shepherds that won't say anything that will offend somebody. The gospel offends. We're going to see this in the book of Acts. The gospel offends. It convicts, but it leads to healing and salvation in Jesus Christ. Are we willing? Are we willing? Toby Mack has a meme, uh, and I, I put it up on the thing here. It's a great, great meme. It says, decisions become easier when your will to please God outweighs your will to please the world. I was like, wow. Amen. Isn't that what it comes down to? We must obey God. Help me. Rather than men. We can't cave in. We can't conform to the world. We must have a biblical worldview. So vital, the biblical worldview. We must learn to stand now. We must learn to stand now. In the book of Revelation, we see what's coming is going to get a lot, much, much worse. It already is in much of the world. We, we have no idea. Feel what's going on, unless you read Voice of the Martyrs and open door ministries and, and keep track of what's going on. We have no idea what's going on. It, what we're starting to experience now is a teeny, teeny little slice of what the world has been experiencing for years. China, I just got uh, a Blood of the Martyrs book. Uh, just This is from the 1950s, 70 years ago. They've, they're still going through crazy stuff for the last 70 years. It says here, um, I'm just going to read you one story with the support from liberal churchmen. Some trained in liberal American seminaries. <clears throat> 300,000 Chinese Protestants signed the Communist Manifesto that they were pushing the Christians to sign. Wow, what a shock. Could you imagine that happening in America? Services were allowed only in authorized church buildings. Sound familiar somehow? With a government monitor present, by 1958, there were only, uh, in Peking, only four of 65 churches still held services because they went along with, they drank the Kool-Aid. Uh, a Christian leader protested. He was dragged into a people's court. Judges ordered the spectators to beat him to death. But the people refused, saying, he's a good man. Changing tactics, the judges promised that if he renounced Jesus, he would be set free. Who do you choose? Jesus Christ or communism? Jesus, 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 he shouted back. They took him out and shot him. In the Shansai province, 
Many evangelical pastors were martyred. In one instance, a preacher was tortured, then told he could go free if he dare not preach the gospel again. Book of Acts. No, I cannot do that, he replied. I cannot obey you. Furious, the official shouted, then you must die, you miserable lout. He says, I am not the one who is miserable. And he began preaching to everybody around and they, they shot him right, right away. This is still going on. This is 70 years ago. It's still going on daily in China. I'm sure you read about it in the news all the time. It's on the news constantly, isn't it? Daily. But you know what? That's why they have 100 million believers in China today. Because they have said, we must obey God. Rather than men. Rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. The apostles stood alone. I'm going to wrap it up here. The apostles stood alone. They stood against the religious leaders, against the politicians, against the mobs, against the world. The same in the United States today. I'm telling people all the time, we are going to have to stand alone. We're going to have to stand alone. Do you feel alone? you ever feel alone at work? At school, at college, with your family, your family and friends, do you feel alone? Are we even even those who claim they're Christians? We're starting to see God separating the wheat from the weeds and the sheep from the goats. And a lot of people we thought were Christians, they're being exposed. We're we're alone. We don't we don't bond with them anymore. We're alone. We have to learn to stand alone. Do you feel alone? You're not. 1 Peter 4.14 If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. And the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. We're never alone. We're blessed. And the Holy Spirit is with us. In a special way. I remember... 20 years ago, being hammered 20 years ago and warning everybody it's going to come out of the whole country soon. Here it is. It took 20 years. But I remember being hammered at school board meeting and I'm freaking out. And I remember him cursing, cursing me. Jesus hates you. He hates you. He hates you. But this woman claimed she followed Jesus, but she was, <laughs> I don't know what Jesus she found. But, uh, you know, Jesus hates you and cursing, screaming, threatening. You know, I, I remember some people went out with me trying to protect me from the, the, the mob, you know, trying to keep them away from me. And, and I remember what I felt like. You know what I felt like? Awesome. Blessed. Never happier. Never more joy, never more peace. It was unbelievable. I can't explain it. I can just say I had it. The spirit of glory and of God rests on us. We're not alone. Not alone. And it's scary, but we can't stay silent. We are called. We are commanded. We have been commissioned to share the faith no matter what. And it's going to, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission, but it's going to be fulfilled. Matthew 24, 14, it's going to be fulfilled where it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. 
It's going to be completed. Jesus is not coming back until we finish our job. Are you speaking the truth no matter what? No matter what it costs. People's eternity is at stake. Maybe you're listening to this and your eternity is at stake. You have never put your faith in Jesus Christ. Your eternity is still undecided between heaven and hell. And, but you can have eternal life right now. You can make sure of your eternity right now. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. There's no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. He gave his one and only son. If you have put your faith in any other religious religion or religious person or you know system, you're going to hell. Jesus said it. But you don't have to. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. He died on a cross for our sins. He rose again from the dead to give us a brand new life. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus? Put your faith in Him. The word in Greek doesn't mean in the head. It means in the heart. It means to completely put your trust in. Have you ever put your trust, your faith, In Jesus Christ, you can do that now. Let's pray. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching, maybe you're listening, and you don't know where you're going to spend eternity. You don't have life now, and you don't have it forever Because you've never put your faith in Jesus. But you can do that now. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Some of you right now are putting your faith in Jesus. In your heart. The simple prayer of faith. God I repent of my sin. I turn away from anything in my life that goes against your word. Please forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm giving my life to Jesus. And while we're praying about that, I'll say to those who are already Christians, what is our prayer today? How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Will we take this saying, I must obey God rather than men and apply it to every area of my life? Every decision. Every pushback I face. Every thought that enters my head. Every lie that that the world throws at me. Every time the world tries to get me to conform or someone tries to get me to be quiet about Jesus, I'm going to remember I must obey God rather than men. Would your prayer be, God, I will obey you rather than men.
Father, I pray that there would be a reality in every life. Salvation and living for you. I pray it in Jesus' name. If anybody has put their faith in Christ, tell somebody, family member, friend, somebody here, tell me on the way out, send me an email, text. I love getting those, those messages. Let somebody know so that we can be excited for you and encourage you in your new life in Christ.